This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing, is to give our attention to Jesus. Welcome, beloveds of God. I bless you today with an increased knowing and experiencing of God's love for you. I am so happy that you are joining me today. And I have as my guest a woman that you are familiar with, a woman with a deep heart for God, Lisa Turkhurst. For the few of you that don't know her, Lisa is a national speaker. She's the president of Proverbs 31 Ministries, and she's a New York Times bestselling author of over 25 books. And she is a woman passionate about people leading authentic lives, growing towards a deeper walk with Jesus and knowing healing and restoration in his love. Reading her books feels like sitting down with a trusted friend who's in this life with us. Lisa shares her multifaceted journey, and she invites us to take it with her, to know God more fully, to walk with Him more closely, and to receive Him more deeply. In her book, Lisa candidly shares her own healing journey, and now she's created a sacred space with her new resource where women can start and end their days with God by simply showing up and soaking in truth through her new devotional called you're going to make it. 50 morning and evening devotions to unrush your mind, uncomplicate your heart, and experience healing today. And it comes out March 28th. Lisa, I am so grateful for your life, your ministry, and your work. Your love and your heart for God and for people, it comes out from everything you write and speak with such wisdom and gentleness and compassion. Thank you. And welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. That was such a beautiful introduction. I feel like I should record that and play it each morning. It's you like, should. Oh, Remember who you so are. sweet. Oh, it's all true. I'm so glad you're joining me today. And I'm sure that my listeners know you, but for some that don't, I'm so happy to make the introduction. Thank you. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. And... um First, Lisa, um, when did you first become a Christian? I became a Christian in my early 20s. Now, here's the thing. I would have told you in college that, that I was a Christian because I acknowledged God. I believed in God. But I didn't understand what it meant to have a really personal relationship with the Lord. I knew facts about God. But I didn't have that deep connection where I really trusted God to be the foundation and salvation of Mm. my heart. Mm. And so that came about in my early 20s. And it actually was after I walked through a really hard situation and it just brought me to my knees. Mm. And I remember thinking to myself, I've got to have more than just a religion. Like there's got to be more than this. Yes. And so I started immersing myself in Bible studies and I did two Bible studies, experiencing God and victory of the darkness. And victory of the darkness taught me about my identity in Christ and experiencing God taught me that God wants to be present in our lives and he does want to speak to us. And so those two books profoundly impacted me and led me into a relationship with the Lord. Those are fantastic books. 
And it's so good because there is the knowing about him and then there is knowing him. That's right. I love at the back of Victory Over the Darkness how it has those I am statements. Yes. Oh, man. I spent actually two years in those every night and every morning just to get them into my heart. That's beautiful. So you know God and then you really become a Christian in in your early 20s. Is there a time that is maybe recent or maybe it was shortly after that where um, you just fell in love with him? Mm, That's really good. So a couple of years ago, I was probably, let me think about this. What year would it have been? Maybe in 2014 or 2015, I was invited over to Israel and I, um, I was staying at a Jewish kibbutz and it's the only Messianic Jewish kibbutz in Israel. Wow. And it was just a really beautiful place. It was on the road to Emmaus. And so that made it even more significant. Wow. And so I was staying there and they're like pretty basic rooms, maybe like little college dorm rooms, but very, very small and very, very basic. And so we checked in and got together with our group and then we all went to our bedrooms and I laid down that night and I asked the Lord, like, Lord, why do you have me here? And, and Lord, what am I supposed to take from here? And then I fell asleep and I didn't get an answer. And then all of a sudden this wind rushed into my room. Now I, I did not have my door open. I didn't have my window open. It was crazy. I mean, it was so much, I have really heavy hair uh-huh. that it, it like blew my hair back. Oh my and goodness. So it was a definite wind. And then I saw little lights in the room and I'm not one to have like those kind of things. And even if it does happen, I just, I'm not one to acknowledge it. I'm like, Oh, that's weird. So I went to breakfast the next morning and I'm like looking around as talking to some of the other people. And I said, yeah, did, um, did you guys have wind in your room in the middle of the night? They were like, no. I said, huh, did you have like, was your light kind of like all of a sudden little sparklies? And they said, nope. And so I got really quiet about it. And I was like, yeah, me neither, you know, but the reality was I, I felt like the Lord at that moment was being so present to me. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was like a fresh wind of his spirit and a fresh revelation of his light. And And then it was really, really profound that I had that experience. And I did just fall completely in love with the Lord because Mm -hmm. I just thought, wow, he is so attentive to me. And it was shortly after that, that I went home and found out that my then husband was having an affair and it was the biggest gift to my heart to know that the Lord took me to the Holy land and he was so intimate and personal and he knew what was coming yes. and he wanted to remind me of his presence. And it was such a gift to my heart. That is beautiful. I love how he did that and how he comes before and you have that forever. That's right. Wow. There's so much we could talk about, but what I, what I actually want to talk about is your new devotional. Um, what led you to write? You're going to make it. Well, I think the healing journey is very complicated and it's hard. And the main question that people want to know is how long is it going to hurt so bad? You know, right? because that's the way I felt. And I just remember sometimes wishing that healing was as linear as a checklist. 
Like if I just do this, 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 and this, then I'm healed. I can move on. The pain will stop. And I had to make peace with the fact that it will never be a checklist to heal. Mm -hmm. It's something you can't just get over the hardships. You have to walk through them. And if mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs, and I believe that it is, then we've got to get to the place where we're willing to acknowledge reality so that we can accept reality. And when we commit to reality, like this is real. I'm not falling in love with the potential in a person. Mm. I'm not Mm. tidying things up better than they are. I'm not diminishing the best of who I am to try to cover up the worst of who someone else is. I am accepting reality. I'm acknowledging it. And this is the reality. Then I think we can make real progress because for too long in my healing journey, I almost felt like I needed to tidy things up because I was a Christian. Mm, And I think it's the exact opposite. I think because we're a Christian, we don't have to tidy things up. God gives us this beautiful practice of lament where we can come to him and we can complain and we can hurt and we can cry and we can exchange some of that devastation for whatever measure of hope he wants to give us that day. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yes, he asks us to come with honesty. We don't have to pretend before him. And it is true that it isn't this linear thing. Follow these five steps and you're going to feel amazing. It's just so much deeper than that. It Um, really is. And so it was crucial when I wrote this devotion to... To acknowledge that my reader, if they're in pain and they're in a place of healing, they're in a place where they're not sure they're going to make it. I wanted to give them a new rhythm Uh, rather than waking up, dreading the day and going to bed, just feeling the weight of the world on them. Right. And so the new rhythm that I implemented in my life was not putting the pressure on myself to do big, grand Bible studies in the morning. I love Bible studies. I write them. I believe in them. But when you're in a season of real suffering, it can be hard to take in all that extra learning and processing. And I just needed a verse, a thought. I just needed to receive a nugget from the Lord. And so the rhythm that I implemented in you're going to make it is every day receiving from the Lord and then every evening releasing to the Lord so that we have a marked moment where we can say, I released my bitterness today. Now, does Mm. that mean that I don't ever feel bitter again? No, it may not even fix my bitterness in a moment, but at least I have marked moments where as I'm making progress in my healing, I can look back and say, I really did give this over to the Lord. Mm. Yes. I've had the privilege of getting an advanced copy and it is beautiful. Truly beautiful. And And I do love those rhythms of receiving and releasing. That just goes so importantly together. Receiving from Him, releasing what you're carrying, growing in trust of His goodness in the midst. Because I think we even try to clean ourselves up in front of Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. And I think sometimes we we think we have to, before we pray, we have to kind of get it together so that our right. prayers can, can seem a little more official. And I, in the season of healing, boy, did I learn just to come before the Lord and not make prayer such a formal thing. It was more like, I'm just breathing out in prayer and I'm breathing in, in prayer. I mean, my prayer may just be help me Amen. or my prayer may just be, I don't like this and I'm not doing well right now. Mm, mm -hmm. Or it may be, 
Lord, I know you love me, but I cannot understand why you're allowing this in my life. Yeah. But all of those are important to come before the Lord, because if we're going to have a relationship, a relationship means honest conversation. Yes. And so for me, you know, it was just crucial for me to be honest with where I was at and not put pressure on myself to pray lengthy prayers and to do lengthy Bible studies when, I mean, I was doing good just to get out of bed and brush my teeth that day, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And in that, and you're being honest before him. And this is such an invitation to everybody listening. This is what he's after. Your true heart, your authentic self. We get to be real. But Lisa, what did you come to know more deeply about him in your being honest with him? Well, forever I thought I, in order to heal and move forward, I needed to know why this was happening. Mm-hmm. I never pictured myself as a woman who found out her husband was having an affair and who was struggling with addictions. And I never thought I would witness, you know, what we had built over the first 20 years of our marriage. We were married almost 30, but the first 20 years of our marriage, we, I felt like had such a beautiful, amazing family. And then all of a sudden I, I watched the dismantling of that and it was excruciatingly Mm. painful. Mm. And it was the back and forth of not knowing, you know, are we going to make it? Are we not going to make it? And then promises given to me and then promises broken and then hoping because it looked like things were going to turn around and then having that hope absolutely shattered. And it was a very long process, a Mm. very long process. And I kept thinking if I just had the answers, like why this is happening, then maybe I could make peace with it. And then one day I was reading in Mark chapter 14 where Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. He's crying out to the Lord. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Mm. And this is what occurred to me. Jesus had all the answers because Mm. he was perfect in his divinity and full in his humanity. He was sinless, but he was very much sinned against. He knew the pain of betrayal. Yes. And if the answers would have fixed the source of his sorrow, then he would have never cried out. My soul is overwhelmed, like with sorrow to the point of death. So I realized in that moment, Jesus had the answers and it didn't fix all of the questions for him. And it didn't fix the sorrow for him. Therefore, I could chase answers the rest of my life and the answers aren't going to fix me. And as a matter of fact, even if I got the answers, I may not like them. And so that would just cause more pain. And so it wasn't pursuing, why is this happening? It was acknowledging that it is happening. And instead of trying to leapfrog over the feelings, I had to feel the feelings so that I could deal with the feelings. And only when we deal with the feelings, can we start to heal? Yes. Yes. That is profound. I, I love the way Jesus, they, you know, he is the high priest acquainted with everything. He knows our sorrows, but I'd never thought about that, about how he had the answers. And yet that, that wasn't it. That wasn't the mm-hmm. answer to healing. And I also love how you say you have to, you have to feel it. You have to enter in to the pain in order to know the healing. You can't just, as you said, leapfrog over it. And to know as well, because I have been in the place and I know lots of other people in the place that feel like if they feel it, if they let their tears come, that it will kill them Mm -hmm. or they would never stop. 
Maybe somebody's feeling like that right now who, who is listening. What, what would you say to them? Well, I would say that's exactly why it was important to me to write this devotional, you're going to make it because mm. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to walk around and think I'm not going to make this. Yeah. And you know what? Jesus even knows what it feels like because yeah. that verse in Mark 14 leads to other verses. And Jesus even says in that same chapter, God, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yeah. And man, I know what that feels like too. Like God, everything is possible for you. So why aren't you fixing the one thing that I've begged you to fix? Yes. And so in you're going to make it, it was really important to me before I taught anybody, anything, I wanted to make my reader feel understood mm. and less alone. Yes. And I feel like if my reader feels understood, like, wow, she gets the depth of pain that I'm in mm-hmm. and less alone. Like, Mm. huh, there's somebody else out in this world who gets it. Then I could share my transferable wisdom that Mm. I've gained along the way and it would aid in someone else's healing. Yeah. How good. Yes. In the devotional, you, um, you feature photos of places of your own healing. Why was that important for you to include? Well, I wanted the book to be beautiful. You know, sometimes when we're walking through really hard things, it it feels extremely gloomy and we forget to notice that there's still beauty in the world. Like our world may be falling apart, but we could go outside and look at the sky and remember the world is not falling apart. And today is a part of my story, but Mm -hmm. today is not the whole story. Right. And so I wanted to include pictures of some of the places where I have wept Mm. more tears than I felt was even possible for a human to weep. Mm-hmm. And also some places where I sat and experienced small victories. And then other places where I've walked all of a sudden and just realized like this pain is pointing me to a purpose that I would have never realized unless I had the pain. Mm-hmm. And so while I didn't want the pain and while I would never want this to be my story, mm-hmm. I do believe it pointed me into realizing that so many people have experienced relationship trauma. Yes. So many people have been heartbroken and I'm going to use this pain to help other people. And I want to make the devil regret that he ever messed with a woman like me. So those pictures captured that. And mm. the book is is pretty enough to put on your coffee table and intimate enough to put on your nightstand. And that's mm. what I wanted. Mm. And you did it. <laughs> that is, it's so good. And this this ties into the truth that no matter what our sorrows were or are, there is hope. And you write about that that no matter what the sorrows were yesterday, there is the possibility of hope for tomorrow. And you also said, just in talking, that um, you wanted it to be quick, but it was a long, long time. How, how long for you? Well, some, some people think, oh, 30 days, or it was six months, or, you know, mercy, friends, it can be a lot longer than that. Well, I think because I was experiencing different traumas along the way, I had to heal from the impact of those different traumas Mm -hmm. and different things took different periods of time. But I will say when I finally knew that I was being released from my marriage, my marriage wasn't just difficult. It had gotten to the place where it was destructive and honestly unbiblical for me Mm. to stay. Uh And so I remember this moment where I sat down and I thought to myself, I don't 
want to walk away. I'm not a woman who walks away. And I really felt this just rise up in me. I'm not walking away. I'm accepting reality. And so from that moment where I knew I was going to be a divorced woman, um, it was about two years, but it wasn't two years of horrible. It was two years of some good days and some bad days, some learning to sit in the silence days. And I remember my counselor one time said, Lisa, the sign of a, a mentally healthy person is they can sit with themselves and be okay. And I was like, wow, I hate that advice. That's awful. Cause I don't want to sit with myself, but I learned the value in it because it wasn't just sitting with myself. It was sitting with myself and, and being available to listen to the Lord. And it, it, again, it wasn't some big profound Bible study. It was just the, the sweet surrender of, I don't know that I'm going to make it and God, I'm just going to need you to show up. And, you know, I think sometimes we attach our hope to the wrong things. And that really means that verse that says hope deferred makes the heart sick. But I think for me, I kept attaching my hope to, well, if, if I can just get through this, or if I could just have this kind of person come into my life, or if somebody would protect me in this way, then, then I'll feel real hope. But I think what the Lord wanted me to realize is anything less than him that I attach my hope to will likely disappoint me. It, right. Even if it comes about, it will never give me the fullness that, that the Lord can give me. Right. And, you know, we'll always desperately want from other people what we fear God will not provide for us. I was just about to say that sentence because you, you wrote and speak about that someplace else and it's profound. Can you just say it? Say it one more time. We will always desperately want from other people what we fear God will not provide for us. Right. And then that doesn't go very well, does it? Yeah. Right. The yes, desire. No, and people yeah. are wonderful and people yes. can, can make us feel loved and people can, you know, bring us great happiness. God created us for community and all of that. And we do have legitimate needs yes. when we interact with other people. All of that's good. But when our needs cross over into becoming demands, that's going to put a pressure on that relationship and that person that they were never meant to carry. Right, right. It's so good to be able to check your own heart and see where am I going right now? Because when we demand from other people, then they they fail us. They can't meet that. And they also feel the pressure of the demand. Mm-hmm. But I love, I love that sentence. We're going to try to get what we fear we won't get from God. But when we come to know him more deeply, we learn that he is the only one that is going to satisfy the deepest desires of our heart. That's right. And the, you know, I think as we wrap up today, I I really want to get this part in too, is that sometimes we think in order for us to heal the other person that hurt us, they need to do something. Mm. They need to say that they're sorry. They need to own what they did they need to turn around and not do those things anymore. And the truth of it is, if we attach our healing to choices, another person may or may not ever make, not only have we allowed that person to hurt us, but now they're hijacking our healing. So I had to learn to detach my ability to heal from the person who hurt me. So no matter what their choices were, I was still free to heal and to move forward. Mm. And I remember one day I just envisioned putting a stake in the ground and I thought my healing, my choice, 
And it was a real profound moment where I took back the ability to heal. They may never say that they're sorry. They may never owned what they did. They may never stop doing what I felt was so incredibly hurtful, but I'm not waiting on Mm. them to do anything. And I'm no longer attached to those decisions. I'm going to move forward because it's my choice to heal. Brilliant. and So vital. Okay, one last question for you. How and where is God wooing you these days? I think reminding me that even though trauma was a part of my story, it's not going to be the whole story Mm -hmm. and that there are going to be bright days ahead. There's still going to be sadness ahead. There's always going to be disappointment and sadness in life. But I do sense that a lot of the darkness and heaviness of the past season that I'm in, I do sense it lifting and I'm past that two year mark and it really does get better. And I want someone to hear out there, you are going to make it. It may take longer. It may not look anything like you thought it would look like, but healing is possible and you are going to make it. Ah, there it is. There it is. So would you close out our time by praying for the people that are listening? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. God, we acknowledge today that the lens that we need to look through when looking at our problems is by acknowledging, God, you are good. Even even when life feels good and doesn't seem good at all, God, you are still good. And God, you are good to us. I mean, relationships may not be good to us. People may not be good to us, but you are good to us. And God, you are good at being God. I don't have to carry the weight of trying to fix it all. My job is to be obedient to you. Your job is everything else. Mm. And I'm going to look through that lens when looking at my problems today so that I can see a faithful God is bigger than all the problems that I'm facing. Mm. In your name we pray. Amen. Mm. Amen. We're going to put in our show notes all the many ways that people can get um, connected with you, Lisa. And um, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. It was such an honor to be with you today. Thanks so much. And friends, yes, it's so good to remember that God is trustworthy and faithful in every season and every moment of our lives. We have hope because we have Jesus. And we want to press into the more together because he is captivating. And friends, right now, He is captivated by you. So until next time, God bless you. 